Welcome back to another episode of the Rankable Podcast. My name is Garrett Sussman of iPoll Rank, and I am excited. I mean, it's been six plus months of ChatGPT and AI mania, and I'm ready to dive in today with this special guest all about small business and AI. I mean, why are they scared of it? How are they using it? Are people diving in and really maximizing what's pretty much a paradigm shift in terms of SaaS and content generation? I'm joined by Christoph Kemper, who is the founder of none other than AIPRM, which is this really awesome prompt library, prompt kind of research center ability to generate all sorts of really cool AI chat GPT prompts for a range of cases. We're talking like marketing, productivity, sales, SEO, SaaS coding, you name it. It's in there. Super cool. It's free. They're releasing features every day um, that has like this premium option, um, really cool teams. Like we talk about prompt libraries and, and building them out. So real quick about Christoph, he has been developing code since the age of 10. I mean, he sold the rights to his first computer game at 15, launched Link Research Tools with, if you're not familiar, 2009, it's the undisputed leader when it comes to link data quality. I mean, backlink profile coverage, accuracy of link risk assessment. The dude's doing everything. Link Detox came out a few years later, you know, in terms of making sure that you're getting rid of all those toxic links in your website. I could go on and on. Thank you so much for joining me today, Christoph. How you doing, man? Oh, thank you. Thank you. I <laughs> need to digest this intro. Very, very kind of you. Um, happy to be here. Well, it's, it's, I'm so excited. I, I know, you know, you and I have gone back and forth on social media. You've been a friend of iPoll Ranks for the longest time. Um, our founder, Mike King, has been working as kind of a fractional CMO for AIPRM. So really crushing it in terms of getting the word out there. The last six months, in the world of AI has been a whirlwind. Before we really dive into some of the stuff we're going to discuss today, what's it been like from your perspective? Um, I feel 10 years younger again <laughs> because we have the same vibes, the same drive, um, a similar virality as with the link detox and the Google penalties for links and roughly 10 years ago. The difference is it's 20 times bigger in terms of users, in terms of revenue. It's so much bigger. And in a way, I've, I kind of feel younger because it reminds me about that time. But at the same time, all the things I learned, I can now apply, you know, like just push a button on this and this and this. I know exactly what we do. And most important, much more, no, most important, what not to do. Like, we don't build that feature. We don't do that kind of special invoice option for the German Finanzamt and the Polish something. Well, we just don't. And that allowed me to run ARPRM really simple. And in and, and, and most, I mean, we still have German engineering virus in our heads, and there are so many things that you would still call complicated, but by European standards, it runs very, very simple. And that's amazing. Yeah, I'm really happy that we did that because with the growth to 1.5 million users now, every special case suddenly becomes multiplied by thousands or 10,000. So you don't want that. Yeah. It's, so. it's so cool. Did you... 
It's grown so quickly. Did you see this coming or is the, yes. the viral growth on it? You, you saw this. Like, what, I, what saw did you this. I saw this. So here's the secret. Um, AIPRM was developed in three hours by me, the first version, yeah. on a Saturday night when I actually wanted to go to bed. And so uh, the next morning, I, I sent this to a later soloist that I've been known forever and uh, gave her this idea, this extension, and she tweeted about it. Three days later, we had 20,000 users of that extension, and we didn't have servers back then, no database, nothing. So I did not have the stats, but I saw the installs. And so I set up the company in Delaware. I registered for the trademarks. Some of them are approved or you know, are officially filed or give us best possible legal protection. Others are still, you know, for instance, the UK is quite slow, but still in the process. But it was just uh, three days when I knew this is going to get big. And um, I did not expect it to get that big, but I planned for it. Um, it's it's, uh, it's so cool. I mean, it's just like seeing the use case and you've got these two kind of, symbiotic relationships of users of AIPRM. You've got the prompt engineers who are like building these prompts and coming up with really creative use cases. And then businesses actually implementing it and kind of jumping on the bandwagon with yeah. generative AI. Um, yeah. We've seen a lot of SEO prompts come in. There are different types of use cases. Yes, yes. From your perspective, do you do you think ChatGPT can help like, like small business owners with SEO? Absolutely. It started with me. The idea for AOPM was my own collection of prompts, or prompt mm -hmm. templates for customer support, for legal, you know, rewrite this email in a way a lawyer would write it. So the customer who's overdue for three months actually realizes this is getting serious. And it works. It, it works like a charm. And I used this in November and December. And then I thought, how is it that on one end I got this cool AI thing and on the other hand, I'm just managing my prompts and some text files. This this is not right. So we're talking about some legal work, not like a lawyer, but, you know, just writing, writing in that style that lawyers would write an email or, or just, you know, extracting the essence from some terms and conditions. Who knew I would use um, the, the, the now new context window of 16K to read terms and conditions? I mean, no, nobody really reads no. those usually, it, right? But now we can. Isn't it amazing? It's it's so cool to that point. So for folks who don't know, the context window is just the amount, because there's only a certain amount of memory yeah. that the LLM, the large language model, can remember of what you're providing to it. So you know, what Christoph's referring to is the 16K tokens of so much more memory. So you can give it all this documentation and it doesn't forget it. To your point about using it just for correspondence, I've heard of hilarious stories in the US where people use it to get out of speeding tickets at the DMV or like getting <laughs> yeah. refunds, um, you know, from, from a product because they use the right, you know, emails. And so small businesses, I can see all the use cases what do you think? I mean, there's a big education factor, yeah. right? So what do you think small businesses need to understand about the tool? It's like, I, I think the most important thing to learn is it's like an employee. It's like an apprentice. 
It's not that magic box that can read your mind. It's not. Don't get offended if the output is garbage. If the output is garbage, then your prompt sucks. Or in other words, like like in IT, garbage in, garbage out, or 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 very unspecific instructions lead to random results. As with an employee, as with an untrained employee. And what we got with ChatGPT and before that with the OpenAI APIs and then all the others are untrained apprentices. They know a lot. Um, factual knowledge, like you learn in school, like a, it knows whole Wikipedia, great, but it doesn't know how to apply it. It doesn't know how you want it. It doesn't know your style. It doesn't know if that email should be authoritative and instructive to that um, guy renting your flat to finally pay, or if it should be something funny, emotional, giggly that you want to get likes for on Facebook. How, how would it? How would it know? And so I think this is where I see all, all kinds of people complain that it's not ripe, that it's not ready for the world. But the truth is many people have a deficit and how they express themselves. They cannot explain well what they want. And so software developer says, uh, our job's going to be fine because the customers still don't know what they want. And if they, they, they keep telling that to the eye, it also outputs garbage. But if you do that right, if you have specifications right, you can multiply um, helpers. Like I have a helper for database work. I have a helper for DevOps work. I have a helper for, um, a helper for you know, some, some tweets and social media stuff. And it's a lot of little, some people call them assistants. Some other people call them agents. But you have to put yourself in a mindset that you are writing SOPs, standard operation procedures for your business and give this to someone to work it off. And this machine can do it. If your, if your instructions are not there, or if you expect to get a good book, if you tell it, write a cool book, you won't. So and this is what people need to understand. It's just a tool. And in a way, a fool with a tool is still a fool. It, it's, it's, it's won't, it, won't, it won't make you smarter, and it won't make you more productive. So I think what we as humans... Um, need to be aware of if we would replace um, ChatGPT with a human, what would we expect? Oh, it's hallucinating. It's, it's, it's making up crap ideas. Well, humans can do that too pretty well. So, and, and, and this is, you know, what some, some people have the wrong standards or the wrong expectations. And, that's where where I would say where I see still it's just been six months. For us, it seems like an endless age, long time. But many people are just reading an article from a journalist who spent 10 minutes using it. And so yeah, get this idea. Yeah. Oh my God. I, you, there's so many things that you said there that I completely agree with and want to unpack it. To your point, it is a tool. It's almost like if you just give Photoshop to anybody, it's not all yeah. of a sudden like they can just design anything. You still yeah. need to, you know, yeah. like a car, like you're not going to be start, start racing like F1 formula tracks all over the world just because yeah. someone puts yeah. you in, in a, you know, in a, yeah. in a Bugatti or whatever. Yeah. I, yeah. 
I agree with you. And I think the expectation too, you point out about the, we were just talking about this before we started the podcast is the trial and error, the conversational network between it. There is the prompts though, like having a good prompt or having a good template to start is puts you ahead in the race. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It helps you also to ensure some kind of a standard standard rules. You know, the thing doesn't know anything about my business. How could it create uh, uh, the, the tone that I want? How could it, you know, reference my terms and conditions? And guess what? We have a list in one of our teams where we give ChatGPT hints of where are which rules here are the refund rules here are the terms and conditions rules for uh, payments for you know all these things and then it knows so this some people call it fine-tuning which is a dangerous word because it's a specific technical term for very expensive uh, retraining of the machine Mm. but i would say if you just think about a list of of items to be aware of and if you have that stored like a bookmark, that's your starting point. Um, we um, we can do this quite simple. Just imagine you're talking to a new assistant or you're writing an email to a new assistant. Please write me an email about the customer that didn't pay. But be aware, these are the terms. This is his contract. Um, you have to give all that to ChatGPT. It could not know. And um, yeah, but... Um, People don't think about that because I think also because you only have one line. There's an input box that is one line, which implies that you would only write one sentence there. How could I write two sentences? Well, just present a couple of times, it gets bigger. But the one sentence prompt or the one liner prompt, I think is the biggest problem people have in their heads, Yeah, that they would I... need to write more. You, you you lay it out so clearly and, and it makes sense from a ball, uh, small business perspective because it's like, you know, the idea of having that consistent brand and voice and tone across all of your generative AI, having, yeah. you know, the prompt library. How do you imagine, how do you, like if you were to um, consult a company to manage yeah. their chat GPT usage, what recommendations would you give? I would create a template prompt first where I just say, where this company named XYZ located in Alabama with these products and the product category is ABC and, and our most popular product that is the best seller is this, but we got a new generation, like a sales trainer, for example. And then mm. you use that prompt to answer emails. You know, you get some random email uh, or from a from a prospect and you can use that to answer that email better than a human would and uh, we're using that for for link research tools but also for aaprm we trained it on all the help articles the the the, the, all the content that we already have of course you can search for it in the forum you can search for it in the in the help desk platform but if there's a bot this bot is answering the questions better than i would as a founder after what uh, 14 years of in business because you you get sort of blind, you know, for things that you take for granted, and the machine just uses all that. It, it, it puts together answers where I'm surprised every single day when I look at that. And you 
have to say this was not possible for big companies in the past until shortly, and especially not small businesses. And this doesn't mean you replace a sales rep, but you can have the sales rep get this um, thing prepared, look at that, and get reminded. And when you read, which is actually a challenge, if you if you do this right, you get a lot of output. You need to read all that output, and then you have new ideas. Oh, oh yeah, I should mention that when I call them, and and this is something I don't see. Um, promoted i don't see people talking about that you know there's this shiny object syndrome oh yeah we have this new technical thing and this other technical and of course for a small business none of these things matter i mean what matters is that the output maybe takes a couple seconds longer than it should maybe um but what matters is that it is not tailored so tailoring the system and this is one prompt template one prompt template in AAPRM about the products. One prompt template in AAPRM about the, let's say the, the the terms and conditions of the contracts. You know, like, just to answer the question, you know, um, how do you usually sell your stuff? Yeah, and then the beauty is that you can style this so much in in, in so different ways. You can, you know, now we do this by hand. We we get short output for the fact oriented person or a bit lengthy one in the future i see this even happening automatically that you have the output so to say generated for the recipient but we can do this today for what was simple means i mean aapm is free you can start set up two prompts for free you can just, uh, I mean, you can use what three, three and a half thousand, but you know this kind of customization you can also do with a free plan. And once you got your feet wet, I just said it yesterday to my colleague. You cannot take this away. I cannot work anymore. It's impossible. It's so in every um, department, so to say, in every type of work. Um, Except maybe accounting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wouldn't right use now. it in accounting. For now, for <laughs> now, yeah. No, but this is also because accounting has always been a very precise and data-driven um, mm -hmm. challenge where simple algorithms, simple program code can solve the problem. You, you maybe want an AI to help you categorize you know, the receipts, this is sales, this is marketing, this is for the development team. But uh, you only have a couple hundred vendors, a couple thousand vendors. And after some time, even the oldest accounting software has learned what is what, you know. And this kind of training you need to do, you would need to do anyways. And so I don't see much potential there for that. So all the people going to ChatGPT and giving him some, some, you know, what is five plus five for some simple calculation, tasks they're just doing it wrong you know just use a calculator i mean yeah. you need but i mean to, to your point it, it makes sense it's almost like small businesses just have to shift the mindset of like you need idea people and qa people like yeah. the the yeah. the middle person can be not that they can be removed it's just your skill set should focus on okay for instance if you're using it for customer support or sales you just need yeah. to think of the right way to prompt it and the information that chat gpt needs to then yeah. generate yeah. the really 
good output and then you need someone to just review it and make sure okay is it saying anything that yeah. isn't that i want my company yeah. to communicate yeah. but yeah. the use cases across support sales marketing you know like to your business administration partnerships it is unlimited to that point what do you think is actually holding back small businesses from using generative ai chat gpt ai prm I blame the journalists. They just <laughs> write write their their lame stories about how they tried it for twenty minutes and, and and it didn't work for them. And of course, journalists have their own fears with AI, with generative AI, because it can write so well if you give it the right input. Um, but on a more serious note, I guess it's just this misconception and 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 and. And, and lack of experience in prompting, you know, if you say, write me a cool book or, or write me a sales letter, you get nothing. Yeah. And so there's this problem that they need to give it a second try or a third try or actually see it work. And while a lot of people uh, have this wow effect immediately when they when they set up AIPRM, click on one of those tiles and get some output they, they have not seen before, not everyone has done that. But that's, I think... A big helper already. So I think we are, in a way, also a helper for the OpenAI product. We give people these templates, these ideas to work with. And yeah, but you still have to get rid of this idea that... Uh, it's magic and it's going to replace us all. Yeah. If you have this expectation, there is only one result that you can come to. It, it does not. Yeah. Also, it, 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 for me, it gets rid, it, it takes away all the boring work for me. So, if you're a programmer, if you're a software developer, there's always something interesting where you can think about an algorithm and then you have a part of the work that is really boring and, and um, some, some sister products of ChatGPT uh, code. Copilot, they they work inside your programming editor, and when you get to this, it's interesting. It's really scary feeling in a way. You you write this code, and when you then pass, and you have this blocker because there is this boring assignment of fifty variables that you need to do. It just suggests it. It's there, you, it's blanking, you can accept it, and you're done. And you can continue with the fun work. And so for me, this is also maybe a good example of how you can and should use JetGPT. Um, complaints, a refund request, you have a standard template, you have standard rules. This is what it is, and you still need to reply in a very expected um, um way you know you cannot say it. just read just read the terms <laughs> no you can't it's it is a, it is a level of personalization but it's also that branding that voice like if you have a customer yeah. service team that's like always like empathetic and and apologetic yeah. and maybe it's not natural for some of your employees like i can imagine as a small business owner if you are doing everything yourself and you're not a great writer boom you know chat gpt yeah. can really yeah. solve all of those problems if you have a one person marketing team and you need them to do a bunch more you you can amplify all yeah. of this work you know it's yeah. not replacing anyone it's just really giving people better tools 
to do yeah. more things. And like the yeah. things that normally were hard to scale, you can scale at least that much more efficiently. Yeah, yeah. It helps so much with the production of your ideas. Uh, mm -hmm. When we look at um, generative AI for images like Midjourney, um, oh, you can yeah. get so many different ideas, so many different images and then pick one. This was impossible until a couple of months ago. And the same is true for text. Some of the prompt templates we have for, suggest, for example, three different ways of, or four or five or six different ways to write something. Then you just pick the one that um, you like best. And that was, you know, a privilege that only people like Steve Jobs had, where, where he had 10 different iPhones manufactured and I trashed all 10 of them and got an 11th one or something like that. I'm not sure how the story went, but uh, now everyone can have this explorative way of working and try out ideas really quick. And um, people need to get used to that. It's not... It's fun. It's, it's different. It's also different for you know any kind of engineering know um i've been developing software now for 30 years and over those years you learn all these tricks and these concepts and this and this and this and then when you work with it and you use it right it suddenly does so many things so great that you realize the tricks the little tricks that i learned over the years suddenly they're not so valuable anymore um you can still say there is a good chunk of experience that you need yeah, but um, it it will redefine a lot of our work, a lot of our education, and commoditize some things um, that people did not expect to be commoditized. That are you know let let's rewrite the code. Let's rewrite the whole code. Bam. Yeah, if you have to write prompts, you can do that. You can now, I can now do this on the side. After our interview, I can go and rewrite hundreds of lines of code, to, let's say, to use a new way of logging errors. It works. Oh, my God. If you, if you, and so iterative working in software development, in marketing, testing new ideas became free. I mean, not free because you still need to test it, you still need to invest time, you still need to have the ideas, but the production. Um, get so cheap that um, if you are a creative person, the problem is rather, oh my God, I, I, again, I need to look at 20 different uh, results, <laughs> yeah? which one to pick. So, But th this is different. I think yeah. in the past, we just tried to get to the deadline to finish something. Then once you had the deadline, you had the result. It was good. Now you have a lot of, let's say, intermediate results and um, still need to finish it, but you have way more options. And I find that exciting. It's, um, it's like having this grand buffet to eat for every lunch. <laughs> Dude, oh, I love it. I mean, it's, it's just, it's such an exciting time. And the, to your point, it's like we're in this interesting transitory phase where like as a developer you still need the experience you still need to know the right questions to ask the right things to say the right exceptions to capture that said the future is really exciting i'm curious in in your crystal ball as we kind of wrap up here mm -hmm. where where's your mind go what do you think the future of generative ai tools look like well we have um you know, very fast innovation rate. 
and there's two types of thinking now there's one um the expectation that prompting will become easier mm. that prompt engineering that prompt templating development of the prompt will disappear in a way and the machine would guess what type of book i would find a cool book I don't know how that would work. If a human cannot guess it, how would the machine guess it? I mean, we can say, okay, based on your experiences, based on the series you watched on Netflix, you get these recommendations. Okay, I get that. So maybe that for, for personalization and for the simple approaches, yes. Fine-tuning a generative AI to your business has not even fully started. We, we're only getting started with businesses to realize, oh my God, I can actually write my last brand manual, write my last SOPs. And the thing with the AI will then continue work on it and maybe even improve it. And that is more complexity with functions or, or integrations into your systems where I see again and even more prompts or, or prompt writing as being the new source code. So the last programming language will be English, I guess, yeah. or, or any human Universal, language. yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and Everything that we use, it's it's essentially, it will bring the world to a new level of, of engineering, of software engineering, of, of process engineering, of how things will be described. And those people that are able to describe systems well, um, requirements analysts or, or business um, experts, um, they will thrive because that's a very, very, very important skill. Um, your skills in JavaScript may not be as important anymore because most of that will be generated uh, in every programming language. Right. Um, so I think, and 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 with with all these undertakings, there will be some let's say even more simple tools. You know, ERPM has so many templates that you can use to run something. I think. This will just grow to uh, build me a company. Like, what yeah. do you need for a company? You need a name, you need the domain. And, but yeah, I'm not sure if this is universally um, useful then. Yeah, so that's always what we need to keep in mind. It gets more useful with the input it gets and with your wishes. If you don't have any wishes, if your ideas are not unique, it won't help you. Um, exactly. And um, some of the, you know, problems or or the, you know, hallucinating um, is something that humans do as well. But we'll see some optimization. I mean, when you use, for instance, uh, not ChatGPT, but when you use the API, you can use a, a, um, a parameter called temperature that defines how much hallucinations you want. You don't have that in ChatGPT, so they made a decision for you. Part of the customization is how much of this hallucination, how much of this creativity do I want? I want more in marketing, I want less in product development, I want zero in legal. And you can do that in, in ChatGPT, which is, even by today's standard, a very trivial application to for, for generating. And um, all these things are part of the 
adoption or the um you know like a suit you get you get your ai made for you and that's i think only getting started the first companies the first experts experts position themselves there but um there's a certain demand curve that i see when people try something for themselves and then realize oh i i, I want this more like me yeah and this uh, solving this is a very human job it's very a lot of talking a lot of analysis and then finally of course tweaking the ai but this is what i see coming uh, well it's gonna take a couple of years until every company has this but um i think this is where we're heading to and microsoft can solve that facebook can solve that it's going to be thousands of small businesses doing exactly that and there's going to be experts for every vertical um to to help tweak the ai for the small businesses yeah it's it's fast. I love. I mean, yeah. I like I was saying before this. I could talk to you about for hours yeah. about all these things. And you know, I I'd say anyone right now, whether you're a small business, you know, or a creator or a, any type of employee, if there are three skills, I would say to work on right now in this world going forward, it's communication, critical thinking, creativity. I say if yeah. you can leverage those three skill sets and then augment with the AI. You're golden. You'll you'll be fine no matter what. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Christoph, we'll have to do this again at some point. I like I said, I would love to continue this conversation. But let's let's do. Are you ready for some rapid fire rankings? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do the okay. rankings. Because we we are SEO, but it's all intertwined in the world of SEO. So first yeah. off, and and I know you being being a link building software guy. So man, I'm I'm very very curious what your your responses are. So, okay, so put so put the music on, put the time on the clock. First off, rank your best SEO or marketing win. It was AIPRM by far. I mentioned this before, about 20 times as big as Link Detox, which also was viral, but only four to 5% of what we're seeing now. So that's, which was amazing back then already. So uh, yeah, but that's, that's it. Just the right time, just the right product, just everything perfect. Yeah. Just That's on simple. it. That's I love yeah. it. Rank your top three SEO tools. I go with a big one, Systrix, Ahrefs, SEMrush. You cannot go very wrong if you pick one of them, um, unless you're a fool, because a fool with a tool is still a fool. They, they, won't, <laughs> they won't make you smarter, <laughs> just data. Yeah. Exactly, it's how, the, how you use them. Okay, rank your best SEO trick or tactic. Use a it, it, use brandable name. It sounds so obvious, but I see so many companies having this. You know, your mortgage simple, um, plumbers best plumbers. What, what's that? I mean, <laughs> who, who calls his name like that? His company like that? And there's a lot of let's say SEO brands that are actually just very generic, generic and descriptive terms like that. I started out like that as well with link research tools. It became a category. It's hard or impossible to trademark. LRT is better, but a good brand names would be Link Detox or AIPM that you can trademark. Once you have that and you have some marketing, it won't go away. 
these other non-disputable brand names and every link that you get is undisputable a brand name link and 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 that's something that a lot of companies over the two decades that i've been in seo suffered from generic um seo names yeah restaurant near me.com yeah i was about to say you see yeah, the yeah. social buyer like does it, it cracks me up when you see like dentist yeah. near me as the business yeah, name. yeah yeah exactly okay yeah. this is one of my favorite questions rank what you love most about seo um the reverse engineering part investigative experimental trial and error testing trying to figure out what's actually going on which is much so much easier 20 years ago before google had all these delays and filters where you would get a response from google or or yahoo um, within a day um, it's much harder these days uh, to the point that many people just don't do that so i realize this kind of testing and experimenting has died off i don't i see very few people talking about that and seo today is a very different beast in, in, in my point of view of course there's a lot of technical things you need to be aware a lot of what people call tech seo i would call development or tech you know just building a thing and and then following the guidelines by google is not what i define as seo it was always a counter a cat and mouse game if you want um, you could burn yourself, you could um, make mistakes. And with the, with the years, I think this has changed a lot. But what I really love about it is this testing. And then it, this includes some bugs, defects in Search Console and, and all these things that we see. So I always get excited when I, when I see that. So I also got excited when we, when we had the Yandex files uh, mm. ready to review that source code. So that was... You know, a, a search engine like that, exposed like that. Um, if I hadn't have um, EIPRM, I would still be diving through those 40 gigabytes of source code. I was sure. going to say, you're probably one of the few SEOs that actually is like looking at it and trying to find insights. That was that was fascinating. Rank, yeah, yeah. I, I'm curious, rank your best learning SEO resource. Where do you learn SEO? Forums, um, small groups private conversations that's it i've uh, a handful of articles of public posts that i read over the years uh but that's it yeah it's uh, maybe because i started so early on but even early on it was forums and discussions and then of course private uh, trips uh, the best best of all was one day with a legendary link builder jim boykin uh, one day uh, uh, a car trip uh, a road trip actually to the yosemite parks from las vegas okay. oh no was it las vegas no san jose yeah but uh, one day in a car <laughs> no, with a link scared. builder one day yeah. in a car with a link builder god of link building that 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 really helped me endless yeah that's cool so speaking of which probably the hardest question that i ask is yeah. rank the top one to three seos or marketers that you most admire yeah, that's Tim Boykin for number one. For I just learned all these things uh, back in 2005 already, and, and of course build upon that. But you know, just how he set up the operations, doing the link building, how he 
thought about Google, I mean, thinking about the algorithm and then how it would work, uh, brilliant still today. I mean, these, these things did not change so much. Uh, Google always wants to make you believe, or here's the new toggle and it's all different, but it's not. Um, number two is Frank Kern, also an old school marketer, but I think, I guess by today's standards, using direct response marketing to sell all his books and videos. And I don't know how many products I got from him, but he's one of those examples where direct response copy and SEO was combined. There's been a couple of others in the early days. And uh, I guess I learned a lot in the way I do or like marketing from him uh, just by consuming that and um yeah the number three now was actually not too hard to decide was my king who i i knew knew all the things so well but i guess the respect compared to so many other seos changed uh, just this year when we talked about the yandex files when from my perception he was the only seo besides me talking about the 40 gigabytes of source codes you know um, if you're not familiar with that most people talked about a small list of a couple factors and let that be and, and said that's it but it was actually just um, the surface yeah and when we got into that um, i suddenly felt a lot more familiar than i did before yeah and so, yeah, really huge respect to Mike. And then I guess that also influenced our cooperation then for APM um, naturally, yeah. So, so these are the three guys that uh, I came up with when, when I saw that question, you know. It's, it's, I, it's I tough. love that. There's so many great people, but um, these are the three highlights for me. Oh, it's, it's, it is an impossible, unfair question, but I still ask it nonetheless. And yeah, to your point, it was really fun to see my geek out over the Yandex files. And to your, you know, like it wasn't just that one folder of ranking factors. There are folders upon folders upon folders. Yeah. And finally, Christoph, what is rank your number one cause or charity that you'd want to promote or support? Uh, yeah, I've I've been helping them for for almost twenty years. It's it's called SOS Kinderdorf or SOS Children's Villages that are building little villages for, for orphan kids all over the world, but they originated in Austria, so they may be not as popular in the US, but I've been supporting them for so many years, also with a charity conference and a T-Con, um, and uh, yeah, that's, that's that. I mean, there's so much where you would want to help or you would need to help, but I always came back to this. I, I, I've looked around a lot, but I always came back to helping the, the kids and then the children's villages. That's wonderful. And you'll see the link in the description notes if you want to support them as well. Thank you so much for being my guest. Like this, this is such a fun conversation. You and I like enjoy geeking out about tech, about AI, about all the stuff. And you know, what you're building with AI PRM is so prolific. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, it's just, it's really a simple free Chrome extension that you can install and start using right in chat GPT right away. Um, Christoph, if someone wants to find you online on the socials, what's the best way to get in touch? Uh, you could just Google me and Christoph Kemper. I, I own the first 20 pages at least and Google <laughs> for 20 years now. But I'm there on Twitter, Kemper and LinkedIn. Yeah, Twitter and LinkedIn. I'm, I'm most often usually on Facebook as well a little bit. Yeah, so I'm all there. there. You go. Well, 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 thank you again for being my guest. This has been awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. 
My pleasure. My name is Garrett Sussman of iPoll Rank. This has been another episode of the Rankable Podcast. We will catch you next week. See you later. Bye-bye. Oh.